Hello and welcome. It is Tuesday, November 24th, and I took a little break, as you noticed. I did say that I was going to be releasing a podcast every Tuesday, or I would try my best, but the past few weeks, I took some time off of everything, and I'm going to tell you why. But before I do that, I want to make sure that all listeners are aware that this episode has a trigger warning and content warnings for suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, and basically everything having to do with those subjects. So if those are some of your triggers, um, please skip this episode. I'm not trying to make anyone's mental health worse, but I am going to share how I recently have made my mental health much better. You are listening to season three of the Not Neurotypical podcast. I'm your host, Laura Stan, and this season has a very new big plot twist. So hold on tight, strap on your seatbelts because it's still gonna be a bumpy ride. And is that bumpy ride ever going to get smoother? Season three of the Not Neurotypical podcast is proudly sponsored by Timo, the award-winning app designed to support neurodivergent people with routine and scheduling. Head to your app store and type T-I-I-M-O to learn more. So we are going to be talking about autistic burnout today, which is something a lot of people over the past year to two years have been kind of asking me about to learn more. The truth is, this is something that is just starting to really be researched and taken seriously on the medical end of things. And it's something that we really need to address and learn more about. What studies are showing now is that autistic burnout is the intense physical mental, or emotional exhaustion, often accompanied by a loss of skills that some adults with autism experience. Many autistic people say basically that it results from cumulative effects of having to navigate in a neurotypical world that's designed for neurotypical people. And I assume most of you listening know exactly what that means and what that feels like and the frustrations that come with that. And the truth is when left unaddressed and avoided, you are gonna hit autistic burnout if you haven't yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I recently found myself and I've probably been here for years Um, but it just got so bad that I was shutting down. My body was shutting down. I can't really, I couldn't really do much. I totally had the loss of skills. Now studies are showing that burnout may especially affect autistic adults who have strong cognitive and language abilities, meaning they're a little more susceptible to it. And I think that really has to do with masking. 
people with stronger cognitive and language abilities are the people who are typically masking a little harder. Um, and it makes it really tough. The biggest thing related to autistic burnout and what makes, of course, everything that we talk about on this podcast so complicated, and especially this, is that autistic people get, when they're in burnout, an overwhelming sense of physical exhaustion. That's a huge indicator of autistic burnout. And also, um, noticeable difficulty managing emotions more so than usual and more prone to outbursts of sadness or anger. Burnout may also manifest as intense anxiety or contribute to depressive episodes or suicidal behavior. It also may involve an increase in autistic traits like repetitive behaviors or stimming or increased sensitivity to sensory input or difficulty with change. So basically what's happening is we are trying so hard day to day. We are often masking our autistic traits and this stuff adds up over time and it causes burnout. The problem is what they're seeing now is burnout really you know, chicken or the egg is, do you have depression too? Do you have anxiety as well? Or is burnout causing depression and anxiety? Um, for me, I'm not so sure, but I was recently diagnosed. I'm the proud owner of three new diagnoses. Um, and it was mainly through, uh, realizing that I was in burnout and, I went to my husband and I told him, I just can't do any of this anymore. I need help. I need real support. Um, we had a rough few days. I was at the end of my rope. And it's not so much that I wanted to die. It's not so much that I wanted to kill myself. It's that I no longer wanted to live. I just wanted the pain to stop. I wanted, oh my God, I'm crying again. I wanted, I want, I should say, to be able to be the mom for my kids that they deserve because they deserve the best. And Sometimes I mask a little with them and, you know, that adds, adds up and goes to burnout too. And it's not masking in a bad way. It's just trying to be there for them and, and do what I need to do, even when it's not easy for me. And I truthfully had been avoiding my own mental health and using my kids in a, as an excuse using my family as an excuse, using every excuse, using, you know, oh, well, now's not a good time. My son's learning from home, you know, things like that. Um, and I hit a point where I just could not continue. I could no longer avoid it. I had to, what felt like admit defeat which is so sad because it really wasn't. Looking back, it's just like, 
it shows how poor my mental health was. Um, and I was open to hospitalization at that point. I, I was so burnt out and I just did, I didn't want to live so badly. And this was like almost three weeks ago. And I told my husband, please contact my therapist for me. Cause I couldn't even talk to my therapist. That's how bad it was. Could barely talk to my husband. And I said, please call my therapist, which my husband, like we see my therapist together as well. So my husband has a relationship with him and that was easy for him to do. Call my therapist, tell him what's going on and ask him if he recommends anything for me. And he recommended a program here in Philadelphia. Um, and I looked it up online. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. And I'm looking through it and it just seemed really scary. But I knew I had to address my mental health and where I was. I had to address my burnout. I had to address where I was to continue. And I felt a lot of guilt in that, but I just knew I had to. I knew now was the time. My husband was super supportive, even though he kind of pushed me <laughs> to my limit there. Um, he knew he was there when I needed him and, and was very supportive and he helped me. And so I did an initial mental health assessment and was diagnosed with CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which means ongoing trauma for, um, you know, not just one singular event, like typically PTSD stems from one event, it's ongoing um, trauma that happens. From For me, multiple events have caused this, uh, one of them just being autistic in this world. Um, but also diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and um, major depression. And I was recommended for what's called the partial hospitalization program, which due to COVID right now is all virtual, which I was like, okay, I'm into that. And it's five days a week, about five to six hours a day. And my insurance company covered it. Thank goodness. A lot of people don't have that. And I'm very grateful for that access. And um, they approved two weeks of this program, um, from the beginning. And I thought to myself, how the hell am I going to do this for two weeks? What's this going to be like? Who's going to be in my group? Like, what is this all about? And I have to say doing this program was the scariest thing I've ever done because no one wants to admit like, okay, I need partial hospitalization. Like as a 36 year old mom, entrepreneur, um, you know, all of that, I was like, really? Like I'm here. And that was really depressing at the time, but I joined the group and met everybody in my group. And I have to say they really put people together. Well, all the women in my group, um, had, 
some sort of trauma in their life and they were all very relatable, it was very easy for me to open up to. And frankly, a lot of them had autistic traits and it was enough autistic traits that I felt comfortable in my group. Um, and I loved all the therapists and, um, we had different programs each day. We had art therapy, music therapy, um, and we had different like meditations, guided meditations together. And we learned basically just basic life coping skills for, um, the next step, which is trauma therapy. So this was not trauma therapy based. This was really like, let's build some skills in you to get you to a place where you can handle trauma therapy. And the biggest thing for me was meditation. Um, I feel like me, but I feel like three weeks ago was like 20 years ago. And, and I really relate that to meditation and, and doing that every day. And I've been someone who meditates and I enjoy it and I always like it. I never have a bad time, but I've never consistently meditated for longer than a week. I, it's something that was like kind of hard for me to keep up. And it's really changed my outlook and what I feel like are my current mental health skills and all of that drastically in the last three weeks. But the rest of the program is really great. It was really great to be in a group that I had a connection with and I felt I could share. And people who, when I shared something, like got it and added to it and everyone kind of shared and added value and no one even annoyed me, which is shocking because most people annoy the crap out of me. I don't know. It's like really awesome. And tomorrow's my last day in the program. I'm, I'm still in the program. And I am so grateful for it. And I want to take this moment to explain to you and tell you and urge you that if you are in distress, go get help and do whatever it takes. Like for me, it was really hard. Like I was like, what am I going to do? I have three kids. What's my husband going to do? But my husband went to work and he said, my wife is having a health issue and he doesn't even have to uh, disclose what it is. And he got FMLA coverage to kind of help throughout, you know, there's things that you can do and things that people around you can do that you might not know about to support you during this time. And if you need this help, if you were like me and either have suicidal ideation, have thought about a plan, or or maybe you were like me and just no longer have the will to live, you have to get that addressed. You have to help yourself. If you are not going to address your own mental health head on, who else is going to? And I just want to take a moment as well. And I found a thing um, online today and it goes through different characteristics of your mental health states. So it has characteristics of thriving, surviving, struggling, 
and in crisis. And I think we've, you know, people who are autistic, especially late diagnosed and you didn't know it and you like barely made it <laughs> like me, like we've normalized struggling and that's not okay. Like it's not okay to struggle all the time. Like that's going to catch up to you. Just surviving isn't even normal. Like surviving on this list, the, the characteristics are nervousness, sadness, increased mood fluctuations, inconsistent performance, more easily overwhelmed or irritated, increased need for control and difficulty adjusting to changes, trouble sleeping or eating, activities and relationships you used to enjoy seem less interesting or even stressful, muscle tension, low energy, headaches, and the quote for surviving is something isn't right. And there's two lower than that. <laughs> Just want to point that out. Um, surviving has how I've always felt. I never, I never felt like I was thriving. Thriving is I got this. Okay. Thriving is calm and steady with minor mood fluctuations, able to take things in stride, consistent performance, able to take feedback and adjust to changes of plans, able to focus, able to communicate effectively, normal sleep patterns and appetite. And I've masked thriving many times over the years. I've even masked surviving. Um, struggling is I can't keep this up. And the characteristics of that is persistent fear, panic, anxiety, anger, pervasive sadness, hopelessness, exhaustion, poor performance and difficulty making decisions or concentrating, avoiding interaction with coworkers, family, and friends, fatigue, aches, and pains, restless, disturbed sleep, self-medicating with substances, food, or other numbing activities. If you're struggling, you need to get help, but you're not even in crisis yet. And I was in crisis before I went into this program. In crisis is I can't survive this. Characteristics of that is disabling distress and loss of function, panic attacks, nightmares or flashbacks, unable to fall asleep or stay asleep, intrusive thoughts, thoughts of self-harm or suicide, easily enraged or aggressive, careless mistakes and inability to focus, feeling numb, lost, or out of control, withdrawal from relationships, dependence on substances, food, or other numbing activities to cope. And I relate to pretty much all of that before I went to my PHP program. And it was really scary. Like we see a lot of stuff online. Uh, I mean, like in TV shows and movies and stuff about like what hospitals, mental hospitals and those types of programs can be like. And they really can. There's bad programs. What really changed the game for me was already having that therapist connection and a therapist that I trust who could recommend a proper program for me. He knew me and my situation and he knew he's smart enough or um, has a connection with me enough to know like what would work for me and what wouldn't. And I also trust him. I trusted his opinion. And obviously the guy knows me because he put me in, I can't imagine a better program for me um, than where I was. 
than any other program than the PHP program that I found. But I really wanted to share about it because sure, it's not like my proudest moment, but I think so many of us are surviving, struggling, or in crisis, and we normalize those things. And that is so unhealthy. And it just hurts us. It really just hurts us. And if you are not okay, it's okay to not be okay, but you have to do something about it. You got to talk to somebody. And if they don't get it, you got to talk to somebody else and you got to get that help. Um, and that's why it's so important too to make those connections with a therapist or somebody, because I probably never would have found this program without my therapist that I had have been seeing for over the last year. Um, and I'm so thankful for him and it, and it wasn't easy to even find him, but, um, and I found him because one of my kids' doctors, I, I just was talking to them and asked if they recommend anybody and they went to him right away. Like sometimes you have to be a little creative to find the right people for you. Um, you know, and just ask around, ask people, talk to people. It's not always easy for us to do, but it's so important. So if you're experiencing autistic burnout or you're in distress or just, um, you know, surviving or struggling, you know, we need to address those things and you're going to need a different level. Like I was in crisis. I really needed this PHP program and it was very intensive, but I needed intensive support. That was hard to admit, but I really did. Now, if you're just struggling, you might not need something so intensive, but you kind of have to figure out and maybe you have to try programs and maybe they won't be right for you, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. You know, take your mental health seriously. Like we have serious mental health issues um, and it's not our fault, but it is our fault if we don't address them and, and get the help for them. And it's going to be harder for some than others. And I understand that not everyone has access to everything, but the answer to that is not giving up completely and avoiding everything. So if you or someone you know is experiencing autistic burnout or in distress in some way, what do you do? From what I've read, and obviously it makes sense, a key strategy for preventing burnout is self-knowledge. But what if you're already there? Reducing demands, I think, is the biggest thing. I told my husband, look up autistic burnout. And he did, and he read up on it, and everything recommends that, like decreased demands. My husband was supportive enough to take off all demands off of me, and I really needed that. And I instantly started to feel better at that moment. Um, but the biggest thing is reach out to your support system. If you don't have a support system, it's time to get one in place. And I didn't have a great support system beyond my husband and my therapist. Um, and I needed more intensive support than they could give me. And I used my therapist to recommend a program for me and I got that support. And yes, I had access to it and it was fairly easy for me. And, you know, like I said, it's not the case for everybody, 
But there's no excuse to not do this, not reach out and not figure this out. Everyone's in a a different situation, but we lose too many of us to suicide. Our life expectancy is way lower than the general population. And a lot of that has to do with autistic burnout pushing us to our wit's end. So I think it's really important that we take autistic burnout very seriously. And the number one strategy before you're in burnout is to understand what situations are going to trigger trigger burnout for you and figuring that out. Um, you know, on the last podcast, Kristen talked about the things that she just felt like she didn't do well. Once she could afford help, she would get it. So like, if you struggle every week with cleaning your house and you can afford, say, $60 a week, get a friggin' house cleaner. Like, it's things like that. I think a lot of the burnout is this idea, let's just call it ableism, that's what it is, that we have to do everything ourselves and that we can do this. We are good people. I'm a good human. I'm just as good as any other human. I can do everything myself. That mentality is what pushes us right into burnout because nobody lives like that. You think neurotypicals do everything themselves? Wrong. So if you can get the help you need, even little things like hiring a house cleaner or, um, you know, shifting things with your support system or with like, for me, my husband, I'd be like, I just can't do laundry this week. It's stressing me out. Can you do laundry and say maybe I'll take something that he typically does and we kind of swap or something like that? Like there's tons of things you can do to decrease demands or get the help you need that's beyond therapy. Like just not having to do as much. That's a huge release off of our mental health and anxiety that this world creates. And there's nothing wrong with getting the help you need and paying for it, okay? There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't mean that you're frivolous. (laughs) I mean, if you need the help, you need the help. You have to be your number one supporter. Like, that's really what I learned the last few weeks. Like, you have to support yourself first because not everyone's always going to support you perfectly. You're going to run into issues And that's when you being your biggest supporter really matters because that pushes you through and gets you the support you really need no matter what. And it's really hard. And sure, it's really easy to say that. And I'm still learning how to do this. This is the first couple weeks ever that I've learned how to truly support myself or am starting to. And it's not easy, but I know you can do it and I know I can do it. And I think we should keep working together as a community and figure out how to connect and help each other in these ways. And I'm working on things. My wheels are always turning. But if you know someone in distress and you can support them and help them decrease their demands, or if you are in distress, ask for help. Number one thing is ask for decreased demands. I'm telling you that will make a huge difference.